you need to do the one-on-one, like you need to work with lots and lots of people because yours, like we were talking about the safe space, your solution may work for one person, but then you work with another person with a different personality, a different set of strengths. Uh Uh-oh, you got a different like stumbling block that you need to learn how to get them over. And I think people want to skip that step because it's not sexy to work one-on-one anymore. It's not sexy to have the intimate group experiences it's all about like, let me scale to that one to many, right? And it's like, you have to validate that concept on a very deep level by working one-on-one-on-one-on-one-on-one-on-one. On one on one on one on one on one. And through, that's where expertise is built. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the zany and profound Rachel K. Albers. Rachel K. Albers is a creative director and brand strategist for businesses that burn the rule book. When she's not helping brands set fire to the box instead of thinking inside it, she writes about the intersection of branding, pop culture, tech, and identity. Rachel is also a stand-up comedian and hosts a business comedy show using sketch and storytelling to teach about entrepreneurship in the internet age. Rachel K. Albers, of all the people that I have invited onto this show, and there have been many and they have been brilliant, I think because I know you're just going to keep it so real, I might be the most excited to ask you the question, what do small business owners need to focus on this week? You know what? They need to get off the internet. That's the answer. Get off the World Wide Web and go live your real lives. Go get your hands in the dirt. Yeah. Go get sweaty somewhere, wherever, Mm. however you like to sweat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's my recommendation. Do the damn thing. Go and do actually, some shit. Make yeah. some moves. Dance. Do a little dance. Make a little love. Get down tonight. But offline specifically. Yeah, specifically. Make a little offline love. Yeah. Tonight. No live streaming the love making. I don't think that's a good idea. I mean, what I love about this is that you, of all people, are probably the most all over the internet person that I know, considering. There's an entire library of gifts of you. That's true. I don't have passive income, but I do have passive gift views. Yes. They're 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 gifting while I sleep. So I got that. That's in my my uh my back pocket at all times. But even you with the library of small motion pictures are like get your ass off the internet. Correct. So when we get our butts off the internet and we go out and we live our own lives. Are we taking a break? Are we living our lives off the internet or both? Yes. And, um, (laughs) you know, I, I think we are tremendously online right now. And I think that also in the age of the personal brand where we're all being encouraged, even the people who aren't entrepreneurs, right, are being encouraged to think of themselves as brands. And, you know, what from babies to retirees, it really runs the gamut. 
And I think people are, they're, they're having a hard time discerning where is me and where mm-hmm. is the internet me? Where is the me that I put on for my business, for my followers, for my Facebook, for my Instagram? Is anyone on Facebook? Is anyone on Facebook anymore, Annie? I don't know. I don't I'm not there. think so. Speaking of gifts, <laughs> I decided that I, a couple weeks ago, a couple episodes ago, we had this really lovely episode where we wanted to just kind of bashing Mark Zuckerberg the whole time. Sorry. Um, but we're like, the traction on Facebook is not what it used to be. And so I was like, I'm going to run an experiment. I'm going to run an ad on Facebook for the first time in months and just see what happens. And I got no joke. One woman sent me three spam gifts in the comments, three, not one, not two, three spam gifts. And then another guy was it, did you get a little RKA in your inbox or (laughs) no, it was just Monty Python. And then a guy went on a tirade about Roe versus Wade. What kind of ad was this, Annie? It was come come to my open house and ask a sales question. And he was like, you look like one of them libs who's all got your panties in a bunch about Roe versus Wade. And I'm like, um, okay. So I went the like normal Monica Lewinsky, St. Lewinsky route of haters and was like, I'm going to be nice to you and you're going to realize you're being a dick. So I was like, I'm sorry that you're clearly having a bad day if this is your outlet. And he deleted his shit. And then the gift lady was just like, never responded. But I was like, hey, thanks for the gift. These are funny. Um, But (laughs) of course, she didn't respond. But also like Facebook is so dumb. You should be my troll coach. You should teach me how to respond to trolls with love. Like, because I, that's, that's who I am in my heart. I get light level trolls though, because I do keep it kind of safe. Like I'm out here Muppeting. But when I think safe and I think RKA, I don't think those words exist in the same language because you take every risk. And one thing that I love about you uh, is that you are totally willing to make fun of our fucked up, beautiful, but fucked up industry and yourself in that. And, And so when you're you're kind of eight miling sometimes where you're like, I'm gonna put myself out there in such a fantastic, giant, gorgeous, authentic way that if someone comes at me, what the fuck do they have left to say? So oh. how, how, tell me, how does one get so battle brave to be an RKA in this day and age? Five letters. I think it's five. Maybe it's four. Maybe it's six. Trauma. Annie, Drama. that'll do, it's the gift that keeps on giving truly. I mean, <laughs> oh, I don't know God, to tell yes. you. <laughs> T-R-A-U-M. Oh, it's six. It is six. Well, it's a, so traumatized, it's a I tight a letter. six. It's a tight six. It's a tight you know. six. But, <laughs> you know, but like you and I have been in this game both for a really long time and we hadn't connected in a really long time and we caught up and I was like, hey, my meds are better than before. <laughs> so thank you, therapy. Thank you, medication. And thank you, the lessons of trauma. This is not a Kelly Clarkson episode, but truly. What doesn't kill you has to make you stronger or otherwise you'll just get bored of being traumatized all the time. It is. You got to shake it up a little bit with the troms. You know what I'm saying? That's what I did. I mean, I last year, I mean, I, who didn't have a pandemic breakdown? I mean, but I did mine live on Instagram every day, all day. I'm not even kidding. Like, and I branded it too, Andy. That's what you do when you're in branding and marketing. You brand your own breakdown. And I kind of just had like reached a breaking point 
And, uh, and yeah, I was going live every day on Instagram. I was on stories all day doing like a mix of industry whistleblowing mixed together with talking about my family and the traums and my marriage dissolving and all the things. And, you know, talk about, I mean, I did, I didn't go into it with that goal. My goal, when I started that, it was called free school, Annie. And the goal of it was at the beginning of February of last year, I was like, what would happen if I just showed up every day on Instagram and taught my audience everything I know, like all of my content for free, no opt-in, no subscribe, just like show up and here I am teaching. And so that was the goal of it. And then as I started going along, all this stuff I'd been noticing and observing in the industry kind of was like tapping me on the shoulder and saying like, you need to talk about this. Because also here's the thing, speaking of trauma, a lot of people have traumas in this industry. And I mean that. And yet, because of like all of like the web of affiliate relationships and business connections, they're locked down by NDAs. They're locked down by confidentiality agreements. A lot of these folks who've been like kind of connected to the big names, they couldn't say anything even if they wanted to. And I, this is kind of the benefit of never being cool, never been a cool kid. You know what, Annie, you were a cool kid. You were cool. We went to college (laughs) together. I'm outing us to your audience. Uh, but we went to college. You were cool. I was not. You were in the in crowd. I was in the wannabe in crowd. And I just rode your coattails as much as I could. But the benefit of never being cool in this sense, never being invited to the cool kids like table was that I didn't have those partnerships. I didn't have those confidentiality agreements. There was no business connections other than the fact that I run a branding agency and I've worked with everyone who's worked with everyone. So I yeah. knew the stories, but I didn't personally. It wasn't on. I hadn't signed on the dotted line. So I was, yeah. I was whistleblown. I was talking shit and, uh, and I burned down my life, Annie. I lost like a lot of my friends, a lot of clients, a lot of referral relationships, but you know, I'm a year out from that, a little bit over a year out from that. And the benefit of that has been now I can say whatever the hell I want. Like you said, like, yeah, I'm not afraid anymore of those, those of, of what's going to happen. Cause it happened. It happened. And it was bad. It was dark. It was dark. So there we go. Cliff's notes, burn it all down. <laughs> like Cliff notes burn it all down. And also like, not to be wildly optimistic because we're talking about trauma and this shit was incredibly hard and I'm sure wildly painful. And I had my own situation that kind of sent me into hiding in 2019, pre-pandemic. And then I sort of took the pandemic chrysalis time to heal and reform mm. and come back out yeah. braver, bolder, stronger and giving less of a fuck. But I, I'm grateful for that time, even though it was really hard, because I realized how much I had been hiding and that hiding didn't protect me from what I was trying to avoid. Exactly. Who knew we were going to get trauma counseling today? We're not licensed. We're not certified. We're not licensed. We're not certified. We're just two people that want to tell you the truth that life is hard and entrepreneurship is hard and trauma happens Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to stop you, right? Like you are not a collection of your trauma, but you damn well are a collection of what you do with your trauma. And really laying down some like Brene Brown worthy tweetables here. I'm loving it. What up? Coming for you, Mama Brene. Mama Brene, come talk to Rachel and I about trauma. She burned her life down and mine imploded. But hey, here we freaking are, right? And you made a video the other day that scared the ever-loving shit out of me so much that I didn't watch it yet because I was like, I need to watch this. I need to watch this. And so I was like, I'm going to smoke a bowl and then I'm going to watch this like That's to relax and, and, and embrace it. And then I was like, oh, wait, I'm seeing her on Wednesday. I can just ask her 
the question I'm afraid of straight up and we can have a conversation about it right now. You posted something online the other day that I have also been observing, questioning about whether or not the coaching and Mm. digital marketing industry bubble is bursting. Is it? Do we need to worry about it? Or are people just waking up to the fact that this is a job? What do you think? So yes and no. So what I made this video about, because isn't it always the both hand of it all? That's why I'm into rainbows. It's the spectrum. It's all the things at once. But, um, (laughs) but you know, a lot of people are leaving coaching or leaving online business or doing like very ceremoniously, like being like, I'm leaving and let me do a fire sale on my way out of town. It's like, okay, of course, of course they're burning it all down, but like in a contained like 40% off type of a situation. But, you know, people are leaving. And then and there's also a lot of folks who are like being like, wait a minute, I just looked around. I think things are messed up. What? Um, so what I would say about the coaching bubble bursting is one, I think, is the bubble bursting forever for everybody? No, of course it's not. And like no. coaching and iterations of it, despite it kind of coming of age in the 90s, has been around in some form since like the, you know, the early days of our modern economy. Okay. So, I mean, you look at the Napoleon Hills who wrote Think and Grow Rich and how he was doing coaching during the Great Depression. I mean, so the grift goes on and I say that with love towards coaches, but the grift goes on. you know, as long as there's people scamming people, there's also people who are not. So there's a market for it. Um, but the bubble for these individuals is bur- their bubble is bursting. And what I've noticed is there's kind of two things that happens. One is people, and this is coaching, this is online business, this is online marketing, all that kind of stuff. One, people have a bubble burst moment where they're like, oh my God, there's some really shitty things that are happening in this industry I don't believe in. Maybe I've been taught methods that now that I've examined them, I don't think these methods are good. And so then they say, I'm going to pivot now. Now I'm ethical, right? Like now look at me. I put a little green stamp on my logo. I'm an ethical entrepreneur now. And <laughs> it's pretty much more the same. It's like when a company says natural on its products, but like there's no regular, anybody can say natural. It could be like a thousand chemicals. Organic is a different story. You've got to actually be certified. So people will see to have this realization And then they'll do a pivot, but it's like more of it's like easy swaps. Like, oops, I was unethical and now I'm not. Okay, sure. Right? Sure. So that's number one. And then the second pivot that happens is people have that realization. They try to pivot into ethical and they're doing it in a discerning way. And they realize, oh, shit, a lot of the like the methods that I've been using that got me to greatness, that got me those six figure launches, seven figure launches, all that stuff that got me up the ladder. There isn't an easy swap, you know, to now I'm a conscious business owner. And if I do want to keep, I can't make the same money. I can't make the same, like, you know, celebrity splash that I was. And then I think those people are like, they're, they quit, right? Like they get out because they're like, oh shit, I can't do it. So that's what I see as the bubble bursting. Coaching will go on. Online marketing will go on. Of course. I do think we're going to see more regulations, especially in the coaching that has has to do with like wellness and health. We were talking about trauma as a joke, but everybody's trauma-informed now, Annie. Okay. I see like trauma-informed like cat groomers. You know what I'm saying? And like, listen, I support being, I support trauma-informed certifications. That's super important. Trauma-informed is all about, you know, attending to your, your pay in the healthcare space, as well as like in any space, 
coming into that relationship with more nuance and being able to truly take care of people in a way that honors them versus the masses. And I'm all about it. But now we see people doing like two hour trauma informed certifications. And now that's part of their their Instagram title. I'm a trauma informed influencer, which I do own that domain, by the way, trauma informed influencer.com. I don't know if I did anything with it yet. But there's my plug for my non existent bullshit. But (laughs) My self-soothing behavior has always been buying domains. So the domain buyer in me honors the domain buyer in you. I, <laughs> I have like I, 150 of them. Sometimes I go in there. I'm like, what was I thinking? I have the weirdest shit. I have such, and I'm like, this, this is the one. This is the <laughs> one. And I'm totally going to do something with it. And then I, sometimes I do. Sometimes I do. Like I have I redirect them. sales. I redirect I'm a lot of them. Yeah. One time while I was drunk, I bought drunkboobs.com. And as a service to real humanity, I redirected it to a video on consent. So I was like, if somebody gorgeous. goes and Googles or somebody goes looking for drunk boobs, they're going to learn about consent and, you know, Good. and all of the important parts of See, being a conscious sexual partner. You're a responsible <laughs> trauma-informed business owner. Oh my God. I fucking love that. But no, you know what? And you said something that I think is so true because, you know, a lot of people come into the non-sleazy sales academy because they're looking to do that work of the retooling, right? Right. But they're the ones waking up to being like, I'm not successful because these methods don't work, so I don't do them, right? So most of my people haven't actually succeeded to the level of before where now they're like, ah, cancel culture is going to come for me. Ah, this is getting harder. Ah, regulations bail, right? Right. They're like, someone told me to steal from somebody's kid's college fund and I'm unwilling to do that. So I guess I'll just go out of business, right? Those are my people. But I do believe, and you said regulations are coming. Number one, I welcome our regulation overlords. I think it's about damn time. And those of us who have been here since the dawn of time now have work pride to show for those credentials. In addition to all the random credentials we have, you went to fucking law school. So, I mean, not bad for two kids with theater degrees. But I just feel like one of the things you brought up uh, underneath all of that, when we talk about what it really means to be trauma-informed or what it really means to be ethical or conscious or <laughs> natural, organic, whatever it may be, is the need to create responsible spaces because safe spaces are a myth, right? Like mm. safe spaces are a wonderful intention. Mm-hmm. We can obviously say like, oh, my community is a really safe space for trans people or for neurodivergent people or whatever it may be. Well, but if one person says one thing that violates the safety, what I can do is create a responsible space where if that were to happen, it would be dealt with swiftly, publicly, correctly, mm. and with community intent, right? So while we're sort of blowing up the internet, you're doing all this fabulous muckwrecking and, and industry whistleblowing, what comes up for you when I say, like, how can we be more responsible to each other? I really love what you said about that, because like you said, like, or, you know, I, this to me connects to the concept of like allyship. Yeah. And, and listen, I've, I've made mistakes in my journey to be a better white person, to be a better person of privilege. But what I've kind of come to now is like, you don't call yourself an ally, right? You say, I am working towards allyship all the time for the rest of my life. I'm working towards it. I am, you know, that is the goal. We're all students of life here, right? 
Um, and so the same thing with the safe space. It's like you can't tell people you create a safe space. That's in the I and it's funny because this goes actually back to branding. It's in the eye of the beholder. Yep. The safe space isn't up to you to decide if it's space safe or not. It's that's the space's perception, right? And the same thing comes down to branding. This is where people get branding wrong and why it's so hard and why it's so stressful is your brand is not what you say it is. Your brand is in the eye of the beholder, right? It's yeah. And so it's a constant, it's like lives in your audience's mind. It's a memory. And so, and that means you have to be constantly working and constantly making sure that what you want your audience to feel and experience with you aligns with what they're feeling and experiencing with you. So I think that's really, you know, when you say responsible, what comes up for me is approaching business, approaching the work, approaching clients with an attitude of, of, of being a student, all uh, being a student of your audience and clients. Mm. Right. Yes. Oh my God. I'm so glad you brought this up. I love like just one of the things I love about the show is just following where y'all's brilliant minds just want to go. And one thing that I have struggled with, because as I previously mentioned, we ain't new. We've had lean years and fat years, but we've been doing this for over a third of our freaking lives now almost. And isn't that insane? Isn't that insane? I've known you for half of my life. I was life. today years old when I thought of it like that. Like that. OMG. Right? But we are not freaking new. And as such, adopting a beginner's mind is very challenging for mm, me because yes. my vain ass assumes I know everything. Yes. And everybody wants to be important. Everyone wants to be an expert. Right. You know? But I do find myself looking to be validated in books and stuff that I read. Like, oh, yeah, I knew that. See, I'm right. I, I find myself <laughs> yeah. adopting that attitude more than let me go in and, and have my brain kind of blown here because I'm a little not bitter, but like over it, cynical. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what I am. I'm I'm not new. It's not my first rodeo. So right. I love that you brought up that idea of being a lifelong learner, because what I've realized is that if I assume that I am the be all end all strategist of the world, it doesn't just hurt me. It hurts my clients. Yes. Um, because my clients are coming to me to take the leaps and run the experiments and know the data and understand mm -hmm. the other avenues and be able to course correct. And if I'm not innovating, they can't grow. And yet I'm going into these webinars or books or conferences or whatever being like, yeah, yeah, I knew that, knew that, knew that. So yeah. how do we, those of us who are old dogs, how do we open ourselves up to new tricks? Oh, you know, it's funny because going back to my burn down story, I was just uh, writing. So I'm writing a book right now. I'm actually finishing up the proposal proposal because I'm trying to sell this bad boy. Hell yes. Let's go. Um, and I was writing my audience profiles of who's going to read this book. And the second audience was about was marketing and business professionals who are burned out and bored by the same old business books, right? And they're and they're feeling ambivalent. They're feeling this very thing of like, oh shit, this industry is full of garbage. Like, what can like so so there's some of it where I understand your fatigue, right? I understand your fatigue, and I think a lot of people are fatigued. And um, and so there is an opportunity for some fresh takes. Um, and mm -hmm. so last year after I burned it all down, and like I found out when you burn it all down, the only left thing left standing is you. So then you got to look in the mirror and wash your face like Rachel Hollis taught you 
and uh, be like, who the hell is that? I don't know if I, there's not a filter. So last year, as, as I experienced this and I was kind of picking up the wreckage of my life and, I, you know, all the business that I lost and I had, you know, and I was, you know, with my daughter and I didn't have childcare because I was going through a divorce. I started doing some digging and I like went to Google and I'm like, what is the history of our brand culture? And started really digging into it. That's how I found out about Napoleon Hill, world's first MLM grifter. Um, now maybe not world's first, but he was an OG. <laughs> ML- he, had a, he had an automobile MLM. He had a sex cult. There's a lot people don't know about Think and Grow Rich and that asshole. But so think and I, grow an orgy. Yeah, think and grow an orgy and use it for PR. Like that was his that was his angle. And hey, I mean, you know, it's it's a strategy. But I think that one thing is that that I feel like in our modern world that we're doing less and less of is actually going back to history and looking at the patterns. You know, like looking yeah. at the history of our culture, the history. I think a lot of people living today kind of just feel like we always lived like this in terms of buying culture and in terms Mm -hmm. of how much we're advertised. Like, this is just how humans are, right? We buy a lot of stuff. We treat ourselves. We have mimosas. We, you know, like, haven't, didn't we do that in the medieval times? And, and we don't look to the patterns. We think it's boring. It's like, no, we're fresh. We're hip. We're new. We're on TikTok now. We don't need (laughs) history. Okay. And I went and, you know, this was me essentially taking myself back to school. Like, you know, Annie, you brought up that we both have theater degrees. I did get a double major in marketing and it, I fell back on my fallback. I fell back pretty hard. But, um, and so it's like, yeah, I was like, I know this stuff. I studied it in college. I get it. I understand the history. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I didn't. No, I freaking didn't. And I, and I didn't understand the history what I read and what I studied in college, first of all, when we were in school, Facebook wasn't even, Facebook came out no. when we were in college. Like it, like that was back in the day where you had to have a college, you had to have a college address. ID and it was only four yes. colleges. There is still one of our mutual friends. She's going to hate that I'm saying this. Uh, there's still somewhere on Facebook, a group called Ode to Boobs. <laughs> because I don't know how to get rid of it. I don't know how to delete it. I've tried to delete it like a million times over the last 20 years, whenever I think about it. But one day, drunk, a bunch of college kids were sitting around talking about our friends' boobs. And we were like, you know what? We should write a poem about these boobs. You know what? We should put that poem on Facebook. You know what? We should make a original Facebook group, like one of the first 10 Facebook groups of all time is a group called Ode to Boobs. Oh, That's my. what it was when we were cutting our teeth on social media. Like shit has changed. Look at that comedy callback to drunkboobs.com. I love oh, it. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> so like, yeah, I remember like the day, the day that Facebook came to our college, like my friend called me up and she's like, it's here. It's time. We can get on there. So I wasn't even talking about, oh yeah, so we were in college, we, there was no internet or it wasn't the internet we know today. It was just like AOL Instant Messenger. It was like MySpace and open Taking diaries. pixelated pictures. <laughs> live journal, live, live journal. Live journal. Yes. Everyone, and you know what? Speaking of, she was always doing quizzes. She influenced me. She was an influencer yeah. on live journal. She was always doing those quizzes like, are you going to live in a mansion or a shack? Do you like white chocolate or caramel? And like, I'd always, you know, that was the internet back in the day. Yeah. So 
we weren't looking at those. Con- I wasn't looking at those marketing concepts through the lens that I have today. Now, you know, 13 years into, you know, running my business and I've done all these, this work on the ground. So, and, and we've matured as a buying and brand culture. And so now I'm looking at history with these mm-hmm. fresh eyes and with these eyes, like these cynical eyes, like you talked about being an old dog. I don't know. I'm a middle-aged dog. Technically, you're middle-aged at the age of 35. Advertising taught me that. So now you can go cry that yourself to sleep <laughs> about that tonight. But uh, so I feel like, okay, one way to be a student of your is to go back to history. Yeah. Like I was listening to too many podcasts. No offense to this hilarious podcast, which is a standout among the sea of the same. But like I was listening to too many podcasts. So like last year, yeah. as I started my research, I was listening to freaking books, 17 hour books. And that was such a nice shift. And I wasn't reading like the how to like how to be authentic on Instagram. Ew. No, I was reading like deep dives into like 18th century advertising. Like I read in a thousand oh, page yeah. tome of advertising as told to people in 1897 or some shit. So that for me has been so, I have been learning so much by, by kind of, like I said, getting off the internet, yeah, going back to books, getting in the dust, getting it, you know, and looking at the patterns of history and reminding myself that the culture that we live in today, it wasn't always this way, right? No. And there are patterns and there are things that happened to bring us to this point and they weren't necessarily good. So that has been a big, I feel like more people in any industry need to know the history of that industry. Now I'm like a dork. I'm a nerd. I love this shit. I, I'm like, I go to the farmer's market and I look at the old book section and yeah. I'm like, ooh, can I get it? I'm looking for Napoleon Hill. If you see an old Napoleon Hill, you know, call me up. I'll I have one down. somewhere. I might even have two. I'll just give you <laughs> my other one. Um, but I love the idea because, you know, we're kicking it old school. And that's what I say all the time in the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy is like customer service is not new. We used to actually be better at it. Selling is not new. We used to actually be better at it. Marketing and word of mouth, not new. We used to actually be better at it. So I love the idea that you're like, yeah, sure, TikTok has a place, but let's mm-hmm. look at precedent here. Yeah. Lady Law yeah. School. Let's look yeah, at the things think, that have gone before. People think, like, you look at Napoleon Hill, people think the concepts, like, you've got the Tony Robbins of the world right. regurgitating this shit. And people are like, oh my God, this is amazing. It's blowing my mind. It's like cutting out. And it's like, no, it's not. He stole that shit from a grifter from 1937. Okay. So that's also helpful. Um, I think it's validating for people when they see the histories of ways that we have like taken advantage of each other. Then it's like, oh, it's not me actually. Like, cause I, I think, you know, our clientele is probably uh, similar and overlapping in the sense that people come to me who have gone all through all the programs. They've done the celebrity courses. They've worked with the big guys. They've spent $10,000 in a mastermind not to get anything back. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they get to this point where they're like, first of all, they're embarrassed that they quote fell for it. Yeah. And second of all, they're like, I did all the things and it doesn't work. So what does that mean? Am I a bad business owner? Does this mean I'm meant to be a failure? And is it me? Is it me? And I will, I will tell them like, everybody's gotten, got, gotten, got, you know, like getting got is the history of America. I mean, it's like everybody has been scammed. So don't feel shame for falling down somebody's funnel No, and ending up and like, I've fallen and I can't get out, you know? 
uh, because we all end up in someone's dirty funnel. We were talking about this before the show. I won't name, I won't name names, Annie, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, oh my God. There's your new hardware product. It's a life alert bracelet for funnels. And you pick your like medical proxy, like the person that will be like, you do not need more info cracks. Stop immediately. <laughs> like it calls your emergency contact and it says RKA is in the spin. And then you have somebody call you and be like, put the lead magnet down, put it down, put it down. I mean, and I, I love a damn lead magnet, but at the end of the day, do I need more? No, what I need is the very first thing you said. I need to get off my ass, beat feet, and go meet people in a real old school way and delight them and serve them in a real old school way. Now, I freaking love this transition too, because this is so old school in more ways than one for two kids Ooh. with theater degrees from Columbia College, Chicago. What Ooh. up? If this doesn't get us in the alumni newsletter, what will we better. I ask you? What Let's go. Will? But uh, today you pitched uh, <laughs> something very near and dear to my heart and also something that now makes me feel a gajillion years old. So it's so great that we've been talking about the Wayback Machine because I feel like when people in online marketing look at history, we don't even go back to Napoleon Hill. We're like, well, that was that was in the early Forleo times. There was marketing <laughs> before B-School. Y'all, there was. And there was oh musicals before Dear Evan Hansen. And before Dear Evan Hansen and even before Hamilton, mm. there was the sensation of AIDS and impending adulthood called Rent. Rachel, oh. my old friend, or at least my old acquaintance, my new friend, <laughs> who's finally my friend, my finally friend. What the hell does any of this have to do? It was you who were cool. Rent? La vie bohème. I La didn't vie feel bohème. that. Cool. <laughs> oh my god! You know what? I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go back in the way back machine to myself in 2005 and be like, Annie Passanisi Ruggles called me your friend. You don't know who a Ruggles is yet, but you will. No, I will. I very you will. will. But you know, we we <laughs> the the La Vie Poem of the last several years has been quite quite interesting. But like, what other than you know the glaring parables about uh, showing up, making art despite all odds, <laughs> financial struggling, uh, yes. trauma bonding, yes, uh, all of these things. What can small business owners learn from rent? I mean, what can't they learn from rent, Annie? You just said it yourself. It's got a story. It's got something for everyone. <laughs> no day but today. Forget regret or life is yours to miss. I mean, so even so that right there is like, you can do it. Start your business. Forget regret or life is yours to miss. What I love about, about rent is that Jonathan Larson predicted BuzzFeed. Because if you remember, Mark oh was God. being like, yes. you know, cajoled and tempted to like sell yep. out, right? And I think yep. that speaks to this funnel conversation. You know, the Alexis from Buzzline. Buzzline, Mark Cohen, Alexis Ooh, that show's so from sleazy. Yeah, And look at you now with your non-sleazy sales again. So like he was going to sell it to Buzzline. But also at the same time, it's like, you do what you got to do, Mark. Like if you have to... 
if you got to go, you know, right. You're some... facing eviction. <laughs> so sometimes financial oxygen is necessary. It is true. Although Mark's like rich parents, like what, why couldn't they give him the money for some rent? I mean, that's a question that is never answered. They were giving him a hot plate, you know, so yeah. why can't they go the extra mile? But so we've got, you know, the selling out question. We've got, I was thinking about this morning, Collins and that kind of, you know, recurring theme that comes back again and again of let's open up a restaurant in Santa Fe and like, you know, yes. let's get back to like what we really love to do. And yes. he said, it's all about serving the clients, right? You talked about old, old school. And in that song, he's like, we're going to, we're going to meet them at the door. And I, you know, I can't remember the lyrics right now. I can't like, we I can can't drum it, a gentle drum and we can meet guests as, as they, they come. come. Chatting, not, not about Heidegger, about but, Heidegger, but, Heidegger wine. but why? Yes. But that is, it's all about ambiance. And even Mimi has a personal brand. She's got that lawn chair handcuff dance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that lawn chair handcuff dance is her TikTok legend. She created a whole thing. She, she could have been on OnlyFans and paid her, you know. Been. Yeah. She could have bought her AZT on OnlyFans money so that Benny wouldn't have to pay for rehab. That's true. That's true. I mean, they could have, all of these guys actually would have been great in the creator economy, which also speaking of Benny, he right. predicted the metaverse. He was like, I'm opening up a cyber studio. Here's yeah. an early adopter. I mean, you got to give him credit. He did have a vision. You know, everybody hated Benny, but I was rewatching it. I'm like, God, you know, you're old when you're watching and empathizing with Benny. And you're like, Benny, yeah. I get, I get it. And, and they killed his, what, his cat, his dog. That wasn't dog, right. That's not right. That is, that is messed <laughs> up. Like not, Angel is the heart of the show, but that is dog murder. It is. Um, doesn't make it right. But yeah, one of the things is like, all right, like you and I talked about this a little bit in the pre-chat. The whole central conceit of rent is the idea of paying rent. And friends had a verbal commitment with their landlords. It's true. It's a verbal contract. I went to law school, as you said. And that honestly does hold up. But who, these guys, they didn't have, other than Joanne, they didn't have representation. What were they going to do? They didn't but know I that. I do you feel could... like there's a little bit of an Anna Delvey situation too, in like, don't go to the Morocco if you can't afford to get your ass home. Where it's also like, at some point, even though you have a verbal contract, you should probably put in writing that you don't have to pay rent. That's so true. that Benny can't show up and be like, you owe me three years of back rent. Yeah. But he was, you know, he was just screwing around. I mean, he was, he, he sold out because then he would like hang out with them. And then he was coming to Marie, you know, so it was like he was sending conflicting messages. That's the part where I can't get down with Benny. He was not good to the homeless. Like, so ultimately, Benny, you know what? Uh, I think done, Benny but... gets a solid C for effort. I think he was fed <laughs> yes. to us. Yes. I think like empathizing with Benny doesn't mean that Benny becomes the hero of the show, but it means Correct. that he becomes an understandable adulting case study of like, He's not doing his best, but he's not doing his worst. Right. I mean, you everybody know? is, it's all about the dialectic. Like we were talking, it's the both end of it all. Everyone on that, in the show, everyone, including Angel, yep. had a good side and a bad side. Angel's a dog murderer, but did it with love, you know? And mm -hmm. what you like, hopefully mm -hmm. the dog went quick. They did jump from, you know, they jumped from a however many story window. So hopefully it was a, it was a quick and painless experience. But, uh, but yeah, everybody in the show is deep like that's Mimi you know and so here we come back to this uh, this dialectic that we see in business of you know I talk a lot of talk about last year when I was burning it all down and I was whistleblowing and I was talking 
trash about the industry. People were like, you're bullying like that's. And the one big thing that I wanted to really delineate was a lot of the names that I was naming were celebrity personal brands. Okay. Mm -hmm. And this happens to be like my topic du jour, my favorite topic. Um, and so what I was doing was I was, first of all, I was only naming the top guys. I was naming the corporations. I was naming the seven, eight, nine figure corporations mm -hmm. with human faces. Okay. Um, and I wasn't coming for them about like their, how they eat their breakfast or how they parent their kids or like behind the Not scenes of their lives. character stuff. You were talking about I was practices. talking about their brands. Yeah. Their brands. Right. And so. There is that, I think, when we see in the age of the personal brand is that the way that folks are infusing their corporate entities with human characteristics, and I'm talking about the folks that have, like you mentioned Forleo, teams of 60, 70, 80 people who are behind, you know, the Wizard of Oz, right, is that they're using their humanity to skirt accountability, mm -hmm. to create a set, a bond, to create a parasocial mm. relationship with their audience, where there's intimacy there. It feels like intimacy. Um, and they're selling on that intimacy. They're selling on people's desire for connection. They're selling on people's loneliness, you know, before and after the pandemic. Yeah. And then when they are, when they do get account, like get held accountable or not, they're like, I'm just a girl next. I'm just a mom. I'm just like a girl like with your computer. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're, you're a girl with 60 people who, who all working in their computers in like Thailand for $4 an hour. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's you're what you really a girl. Are. You're just a girl. You're just a mom boss <laughs> until I say something uh, critical of your program and you bring nine lawyers and send me a cease and desist. Like, I'm just oh, a girl with nine just, lawyers. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> a girl with nine lawyers who will bring frivolous lawsuits because I can. Like, to scare you. That's intimidation, right? Like, because they're not going to go because they can't enforce that shit. But yeah. No, they can't enforce shit. But, but that's that you're so right in that, like, there's so much. Oh God, I haven't talked about sand in the laptop in so long, but there's so much of that idea of like, look at me, I am one person and I made it on my own two feet and now I'm a bajillionaire and I love my clients. My clients are the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And if you literally took one of their clients and put it in front of them, they would have no clue that that person had given them their life savings. They couldn't even know their name. So like, right. I love that you're bringing up this idea of cheapening and bastardizing intimacy, which people like you and me who are not new, but not guru size either. Mm -hmm. Intimacy is important for us. In order for you to brand someone with someone, you need to know them intimately. Yes. In order for me to understand someone's ethics and integrity so I can turn that into a selling style, I need to mm -hmm. know them intimately. But it's hard to show up authentically intimately on a business when the gurus, the first thing they're going to say is, you get direct access to me. No, you fucking don't. This is the answer that I give people. Like there's such an effort and like an emphasis on scaling. Like brands as we yeah. know them actually came out of a need to scale after the industrial mm -hmm. revolution when we had factories churning out mass produced goods and no longer like you brought up the salesmen and like the you know the general store owners no longer could companies rely on them to do all their selling because it wasn't going to be scalable enough. But I'm really all about you see so many folks who are like they want to skip the intimacy step they want to like, they're yeah. like i took amy porterfield's program and now i'm going to make a course and i don't actually want to, have to deal with people and like you know and i haven't really done this work one-on-one -on -one with very many people but i now want to sell it to thousands and i want to withdraw and lay in a hammock 
on a beach somewhere and not have to work. And that's the myth that they're being sold. Yeah. And I really believe before you scale to a point like that, and even I think there are some businesses that are really honestly not meant to be scaled, but before you do that, you need to do, like you said, get, like, what did you say? Beat your feet. Um, (laughs) That's so close to another, like we're getting real dirty with the metaphors today, but (laughs) you need to do the one-on-one, like you need to work with lots and lots of people because Yours, like we were talking about the safe space, your solution may work for one person, but then you work with another person with a different personality, a different set of strengths. Uh Uh-oh, you got a different like stumbling block that you need to learn how to get them over. And I think people want to skip that step because it's not sexy to work one-on-one anymore. It's not sexy to have the intimate group experiences. It's all about like, let me scale to that one to many, right? And it's like, you have to validate that concept on a very deep level by working one-on-one-on-one-on-one-on-one-on-one. And through that's where expertise is built. It's not built reading books. It's not built in courses and webinars. It's not built in somebody's dirty-ass funnel. It is built on doing the work with lots of different people so that then you can say, I have encountered pretty much every, like once you get to a point where you're like, you know what, there I ha- I'm not seeing anything new in terms of the patterns my clients bring to me. That's when you do have something that might be able to be scalable towards a one to many. But a lot of folks are doing, and you look at the big, you look at these folks who are teaching like Marie Forleo in her B school. It's, you know what? It's fine. I didn't take it, but a lot of my clients have. It's, yeah, it's fine. Like, I'm not going to talk shit about it, but I'm not going to praise it either. Yeah. I'm not going to send 19 emails telling everyone (laughs) I've ever met to sign up for it during the same season when we all get the same 19 emails. But I'm also like, sure, if it's good for you, I mean. But here's what I'll tell you about it. One, everyone I know who's had great success from B-School had success in the group. And they didn't have success in the group because they were being taught by other people. They had success in the group because they networked and then they got referral business from it. So that's one thing. And now the group is closed. So that'll tell you about the value you'll probably get from B-School today. But so that's one. And two, like, you know, because this is what you do in your work, a value of those business teachings isn't the information. No. It is the tailored Like it's one thing to learn about what you need in a business model and all the options, but then the real results come from working with someone that knows you intimately, that knows your strengths, that knows your audience. Yes. And Marie Forleo doesn't. And you're not going to get that from a five minute hot seat call. You're not going to get it from one of her sub coaches or whoever she has like in her room. No. Because still you're on a webinar with hundreds of people. Right. Hoping you get a spot for five minutes in the hot seat in front of Marie and then what, what the hell does she know at this point? Like, you're like, hey, I run a business. I help women empower themselves. She what do you think know. I should do? There's, there's 500 people on the call, right? And you're paying for hope of access. Ugh. Right. But that's how we wind up with cookie cutter brands mm-hmm. and cookie cutter sales mm-hmm. scripts. I'm the only sales program that doesn't give you a fucking sales script. Why? Because to your exact point, you can't tailor a sales script to the point where it's effective. If I don't know what you're selling, who you're selling it to, how you're selling it, I can't answer it. I can't do it. You cannot brand someone if you don't know them. We can put rose gold and cursive all (laughs) over fucking everything. It doesn't tell us a damn thing about you unless you're rose gold and cursive. Then we're like, cool, you're kind of bougie, but kind of not. I get that about you, right? (laughs) But I love that like... If rent, if these characters from the 90s, 
If we saw them in a lineup right now, we would know who we are. They are. We're like, she's wearing leather. That's the Maureen. He's wearing stripes. That's the Mark. He's got spiky hair and a guitar. That's the Roger. She's naked. That's the Mimi. We know, right? Do not just rose gold choir yourself. It's not Book of Mormon. You're not one of a million. You're rent, baby. Get on that table and shake your ass. You're really bringing it home with the rent. I am loving that. I'm trying. I'm trying. Because I want to release you back to your gorgeous day. But, you know, I do have two more questions for you. And I wish I didn't have to let you go. But I do. Um, My first question for you is, you know, we think a lot about metrics in entrepreneurship. (laughs) Too much. And TikTok views and all that shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, But but rent has a different way of measuring in daylights and sunsets and midnights and cups of coffee and inches, miles and laughter and strife. And Rachel, uh, what is the... RKA increment for measuring 525,600 minutes or for measuring that times 13, which is how long you've been in business. So hold on. I got to do a little bit of math. 500, 500, 500, 500, 500, 500, 500, 500, there we go. Okay, hold on. In 6,382,800 minutes. Oh my God. What, wow. What Lots is of mi- millions of metric? minutes. What is the metric that you have measured those 13 years of success and hard won living? Rainbows. What do you measure it in? I measure it in measure rainbows. In rainbows. Yeah. Get that Roy G. Biff. Get that Roy G. Biff. All right. This is ridiculous. The rainbow is so powerful. I mean, it's like, it's a symbol of nuance and creativity. It's a symbol of embracing all. And, and I think that really is, that is, it's it, rent is about a lot of, it's about pain. You know, it's a lot about yeah. loss. The the folks in that show are coping with addiction. They're coping with AIDS. They're coping with poverty. They're coping with all of the things. And there's the rainbow element of the show as well. There's the love. There's the friendship. There's the connection. There's the art, right? There's the activism. There's the fighting the power. And so I feel like that's, you know, when you get into the business game, you really have to be ready to embrace the rainbow of the experience, all of the colors, Mm. the pain and the joy, all of it. So that's it, baby. Well, and and I think that's so true because we may not have been best friends in college, but we have known each other for a long time. And I can agree that without your trauma, you wouldn't be you. And without my trauma, I wouldn't be me. We're fundamentally the same people we were, but we're a hell of a lot cooler now and better medicated. That is true. Go us. On both counts. Rachel, I love your approach to branding. I love how absolutely fearless you are in your humor and your whistleblowing and your advising. I want my listeners to find and listen more of you and dang it, wouldn't it be great if they decided to throw money at you too? What's the best way for them to come into your world? You know, you can find me anywhere internets are sold, Annie, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but I would say, you know what, if you want more of the shit that we've been talking about today, if you want more of that cultural historical inquiry alongside what is branding culture doing to us and what can we do about it? then you should check out my show, marketingmuckraking.com. Marketing Muckraking, it's my podcast. And I was almost going to plug Awkward Marketing, which is the lighter fare. If you just want some giggles, I do have a business 
sketch comedy show where I teach about entrepreneurship in the internet age and I, you know, do the different characters of pop culture. I've done save all the characters of Saved by the Bell. I've done all the characters of The Office. I've done all the characters of Full House. I mean, it goes and goes and goes. So you and can you go to awkward marketing to prove it. I got the gifts to prove. I got the two point two billion gift what views a- to prove. I'm a. I am a billionaire. Um, of gift views. You know, well, yeah, that's enough. Uh, like, listen, that's it's your all about hype. Currency. And I'm just going to go your around first and say currency I'm a billionaire. of money. Mm-hmm. And I think you should. I do. I think you should. I'm a gift fluencer. Measure your life in gift fluencers. <laughs> yes, that's true. I measure, measure my life, your life in gifts and gifts. So you can find awkward marketing. Dot com. The truth is, re- if you really want to use my gifts, anywhere you ha- like can bring up a gift, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, uh, like Slack, LinkedIn, just search RKA and then put in your search term. Because honestly, there's pretty much a gift for every gift. If you like put RKA yeah. happy, RKA piss, RKA funnel, RKA bro, RKA Trump, you'll find some fun shit. So look for RKA and, and you will find my anime. I face. need that life alert. For funnels and rabbit holes, because you know I'm just going to start posting every gift you've ever made. Rachel K. Albers, it has been such a freaking refreshing delight to get to talk to you about our industry, where it's going, where we're going, and also where we've been. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you. I'll never forget it. Oh, y'all, I'm going to go like have a little happy cry. Post a couple gifts and I'll be back in just a second with my final thought and your homework for the week. Well, hey there. Thank you for joining me on this weird, wonderful, wild trip down memory lane. So let's fact check. Yes, Rachel and I went to college together. Yes, we knew each other. Yes, we went to some of the same parties. No, we were not close. But I'm sure every theater degree holder on earth will talk about the intimacy of their department and conservatory and the social scene that hovers around it, fueled by drama, emotions, hormones, and competition that would melt the face right off of the typical college kid. Since this interview, I have thought about intimacy a lot. About how, even though college was a zillion years ago now, and I have grown and matured and chilled the F out substantially, Rachel, all these years, has still had the right impression of me, for better and for worse. I'm still me. Healthier me. Wiser me. Quieter me. But still, overdramatic, loud, and boundary-challenged. It's kind of nice to remember this on days when I don't feel quite as shiny or optimistic as I did then, which, taking a page out of Rachel's bravery book, is more often than I like to think. But I've still got it, because I've still got me. It's like she said, when you burn it all down, you've what you've got left. So today, your homework is to revive something that you used to do that has since fallen out of your strategy. That event you hosted that COVID killed. Maybe it's time to breathe new life into it. The little gifts and heartfelt notes you used to send to new clients before you got book solid and you didn't want to go to the post office anymore. The brave, bold, burn it down videos you used to make before all those haters said all that crap they said. 
What's old school you? It's time to brush off your old friend strategies and see where they can carry you now that you too are older, wiser, and more successful. So just for this week, please stop innovating and go back to what you know just works naturally. Hey, thanks for listening. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the non Sleazy Sales Academy and me, your host, Annie P. Ruggles. Listen, we talk a lot about marketing on this show, and that's because I fully, earnestly believe that every dime and every moment we spend marketing is totally worth it unless we turn around and sabotage ourselves at the finish by refusing to sell and sell beautifully. Why? A lot of us have a misconception of what selling actually requires of us or who it needs us to be. Please give me the opportunity to help change your mind at www.nonsleazy.com. That's N-O-N-S-L-E-A-Z-Y.com. Big shout out to the fabulous dudes who helped make this show what it is. My producer and editor, Andrew Sims of Hypable Impact. My composer, Riley Horbastio and my show artist, Francois Vigneault. They're all fabulous, and I'd be glad to introduce you. Until next week, just do your best, and remember, you're too legitimate to quit.